All right, this is the Yay. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is the Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! We have a fantastic guest, Danny Martin. Hello, Hello thanks for having me. <laughs> doing good. You and I shared the stage. We did 110 in the Shade. I feel we did something else, but maybe that's just me. But you have been uh, uh, an actor. You've been on the DMT several times. Correct. And um, you've been all over the Bay Area. And as a matter of fact, you're about to audition for Dracula. And I'm going to cross my fingers. Yes. So, you know. Audition today? Yeah. Hey, hey. You sh- I could see you as Van Helsing or a Harker, Jonathan Harker. I'll Ooh. take whatever I can get. <laughs> right, of course. Of course. <laughs> Well, right on. Well, thanks for being here. Oh, um, on. He could be the sexy Dracula. That's right. He could be the sexy Dracula. <laughs> Dracula can be sexy. That's right. <laughs> well, uh, before, as I begin all of my podcasts, how's your week? <laughs> it was the fourth. That's right. Oh, my God. We and, had I, an and I owe you an apology because you had, you had asked me to come in. I was busy. Every, everyone had, had a party. We yeah. had at least as many people last minute cancel as we had show up. We had a great party. And in fact, like folks, the first wave started to peter out just as the sun went down. Mm-hmm. We were getting ready to put things away, and suddenly there was a knock on the door. This other couple from around the corner <laughs> came in. Hey. And then Tammy Berlin, who works with Central Works, and I her husband with Tammy. Rick yeah. came in. And, um, and we, you know, we just sort of heated stuff back up. And they, they'd eaten. But, mm-hmm. you know, we pulled out a few nibbles and filled up the wine glasses. And then we stepped outside, and on either side of us, Fireworks are happening. Like our neighbor to the left, literally, like their driveway is right against our mm-hmm. fence. They were running out in the street, putting up fireworks and big rockets. I mean, it was going off. Mm-hmm. I had to lend them bricks because they didn't have bricks at first, and the stuff kept falling over. Uh, okay. So first, we saw it shooting across the street into the neighbor's yard. It's like, oh, that's not good. The next one was shooting towards us. We all had to run out of the street. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So we gave them some bricks. They, you know, stabilized their thing, and it worked great. On the across the we're on the corner and across the intersection, another group was doing it. So they would shoot rockets off. Then the neighbor would shoot rockets off. Then we'd go out into the intersection and look up the block where at the end of the street they were shooting rockets off. In every direction you could look, there were rockets going. And it was wow. like, this is, we're getting a free show, and I got my glass of wine. I'm right. like, great. You know, we keep on talking about community, and that's just fantastic. You know, you had, uh, I think, because you had moved there. It's about a little over a year that you've been there, right? Well, no, I've been there. Officially, I've been there for about two, but I've yeah. been there. I kind of, I started dating my wife and was staying at least four or five nights a week, you know, like four years ago. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. But, you know, you had talked about connecting with your neighbors and all of that sort of stuff and all of a sudden you have yeah. a party and you know you just bring people in and the neighbor and they gave us a fistful of uh bottle rockets mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so our kid got happy about that um and then the little neighbor girl came over and she's standing there holding one little rocket mm-hmm. and they said do you want to light that and she said yeah <laughs> and so we got her a bottle uh-huh. and put it in the bottle and my friend rick tammy's husband was mm-hmm. like so you got to hold on to it it's going to be okay it'll feel weird but you'll be fine as soon as it went off, she dropped it. <laughs> so we didn't see the explosion because we just, you know, it was Looking going out of shattering everywhere. But she was okay. She didn't. She, she was didn't. fine. Yeah. And everybody immediately said, it's okay, don't worry about it. I mm-hmm. ran in and got a broom and swept up the glass. And so she was having a good time. We were all having a good time. There were two or three generations on one side doing it. This crew of guys on the other side. And when all these folks ran out, another crew showed up because I guess our intersection is just the best intersection for this. And they started sending off rockets. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, no, we had a fantastic party. Please come next year and plan to hang out. Yeah. Enjoy the show. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, the fourth. How was your fourth, Danny? Uh, my fourth was also very good. 
lots of community. Uh, Avenue Q opening mm. the end of this month. That's right. Um, Where? Who, Where? Who's doing that? Uh, Half Moon Bay Coastal Rep Theater. Yeah. And uh, we marched in the parade. We sang Avenue Q, and mm-hmm. it uh, my first parade, and it was phenomenal. Oh, that's Is that right? right? People are just cheering at you as you go by. Yeah. They they're looking at that puppet and talking to him, right. and uh, it was a, and it was an exhilarating day. I felt really good after. I was like, I want to keep going. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I assume this wasn't the one with the tits. Uh, no, mine is not the one with the tits. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to definitely promote Avenue Q. Uh, when will that Yay. be coming up? Uh, we open the end of the month, July 27th through August 26th. Okay, oh, yeah, and we'll definitely plug we'll that. We'll more information out. Yeah, exactly. that's great. Thank that's you. fantastic. So, um, let's see, current events. There's, that's well, I mean, crazy. It's, it's, it's been a lot. Not as crazy as it was last year. Go ahead. Um, as I was coming in, I just heard they keep reporting about, where is it, Indonesia? Yeah. These All kids the, in the kids. Cave. Yeah, it's so oh, sad. Yes. And yeah. it's been like two weeks. I'm like, what are y'all doing? So Elon Musk yeah, <laughs> sent an right. engineering team over there. I'm like, okay. Well, I hope he can do it because that. from what I hear, they're like, gee, I don't know what we can do. I think one person died trying to save some right. of these kids. One of the volunteers died. And, and they're saying, we just don't know because I think it takes six hours to get to where the kids are. Get to are. the cave? Yeah, that's what I heard. Wow. So I don't know why they were in there, and it's just – it's a little bleak. And from mm-hmm. what I hear, th- they don't know what to do. So I hope that Elon Musk, you know, he's, he's been the Bruce Wayne. Right. He, he's been – so yes, maybe he, he can do something about uh, it. It's it's just funny. It's such a um, mm-hmm. first-world problem. <laughs> oh, for Musk? Yeah. No, no, no. I oh. mean for them too. Because oh, that's yeah. what I was like. How did these kids get there? How do they do it? And then I thought, you know what? They did what everybody does. You fundraise and you get mm-hmm. the money and you do it. But still – that's still a lot of money to, yeah. that it would cost to get all those kids over there to go do this thing. Yeah, it doesn't sound like I – don't, I don't, just don't know how planned it was, and I guess there was an, um, well, a rainstorm. Storms, yeah. right. So you can't really plan for that. Right. Yeah, of And course. they're in a place that they don't know, right. and they went adventuring and got stuck like kids do. Yeah. yeah. Let's hope they survive. Yeah, <laughs> oh my yeah, God, yeah, yeah. Yes. Scott Pruitt. Another, another one bites the dust. <laughs> well, you know. But his number two is just almost as evil. That's what I was going right. to say. You know, it's, it's like whack-a-mole in the Trump administration. You know, even though, you know, someone goes, someone comes back in, mm-hmm. and there's such a sense of hopelessness for so many people. There's like, you know, Trump. I'm going to call him Teflon Don. Te- right. You know, Teflon, because nothing sticks. Nothing sticks. So he, far. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah, just exactly. keeps getting deeper. Well, and with the Scott Pritt thing, apparently, we should have known this was coming because last week, the rumor was that he was talking about getting Jeff Sessions', Jeff Sessions job. job. I heard about that. <laughs> and I thought, what is he thinking? And then I heard this announcement. Oh, he's just trying to get away from his problems. And they said that the um, the investigations, all the uh, 15 allegations yeah. against him are still being pursued. And I'm like, yes, please. Yeah. Yeah, that and Mueller, you know, that's going – the Manafort mm-hmm. trial will be coming up, and I hope that, you know, there will be plenty of transcripts and things on record, they said which will blow be. back to the Trump administration. Right. Well, the Senate had to go ahead and say, absolutely, the Russians colluded, and, mm-hmm. you know, and they did it specifically to get Trump in. Yeah. There's clear evidence of that. I'm like, okay. Yeah. There you go. That's fantastic. Bring it out. Bring it. And also, um, you know, there, there was a child separated. This goes back to what's happening down this in, in the border mm-hmm. for 55 days. They have officially – we've been talking about this. They, they have violated – the Trump administration has violated uh-huh. all sorts of – uh, of, of, um, Regulations. Yeah, regulations. Mm-hmm. I've talked about the uh, the Flores Agreement. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, you know, that's violated because it's been a, beyond 30 days. Right. 
Trump says, okay, we're not separating kids anymore, but they don't know. They don't know how to connect these they kids. They're using them. DNA evidence. I mean, which they didn't. Scary, they which didn't, is scary too. <laughs> they, they didn't do any sort of uh, of re, of what planning. Are planning. Yeah, they no. had no plan in, in, no. in motion. Yeah. But no, the plan it's, it's very was sad terrify the Senate. And there's no make documentation. Them vote. Uh, right. Yeah. Of, yeah. What's going on, Danny? What do you think about all of this? I mean, how are you living in the life of Trump? Um, I believe that people need to do the right thing, and that these kids should be with their parents. It's important for them in their social emotional development. Oh, yeah. It's important for for who they are to be with their families, and when they're not with them and have no idea what's happening because of language barriers, it's causing developmental damage right. that can never be undone. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah clearly. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, I mean, you, you see images of children in courtrooms right. not being represented. I mean, they're represented, but they don't know what's right. going they on. Don't right. have the, they don't, their brains haven't developed far enough for them to understand what that courtroom is because right. they've never been in that situation. Mm -hmm. They've never had that in their life. Right. So they have nothing, no prior knowledge to go with. Yeah. Well, They're it's also never been allowed in our court system, has it? If a child I mean, is if, that young, if, if this were they would be represented by it would somebody. It would never happen in a regular court of law. Yeah. I mean, we wouldn't. There wouldn't even be any interviews. Right. There wouldn't be any arrest. I mean, right. arrested for what? What did they do? Arraigned they didn't do anything. For, yeah. Right. You know, they what's have no the, idea what's happening? Yeah. What's the charge? I mean, mm -hmm. so it's it's absolutely crazy. It's. Yeah, what I was trying to say is Trump implemented a plan, this this zero policy, right. but no documentation, no right. connecting with other organizations. Okay, here's right. how we're going to do it. Right. And no planning as far as, well, this is what happens when things go right. astray. So it's absolutely crazy. But, Dan, as far as just overall, not even just ICE, but just everything, like Stormy Daniels and just his getting elected, I mean, how does it hit you? Court. I mean, does it surprise you? I'm hoping that this extreme change will cause positive change in the future. Right. Like you can't – I don't want to dwell on negative, negative, negative mm -hmm. because everything negative will result in something positive. And maybe it it'll can, push yes. things forward mm -hmm. in, a, in a new way in, a in the next few years, and we just have to hold out till the positive changes happen. But seeing how people feel in this country, how they treat each other in this country – it's it's eye opening to know that that's not the kind of person I want to be. Right. And how can I personally make a change in my daily life to cause positive outcomes? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a positive way. You know, we hear so many people just they're overwhelmed with emotion that they're almost they, they almost stagnate themselves. Mm -hmm. It's like they can't get out of it instead of saying, OK, let's plan on what, what right. to do next. Right. Like the protest. You know, we've had so many protests, like the Me Too movement oh, yeah, and, and and everything, the women's movement and um and, and all sorts of stuff. So it's it's fantastic. That alone is good. That's probably the best outcome. Right. Of it's what's the going awareness on. Yeah. that well, is coming out of it. I mean we're it's tangible. Uh, <clears throat> you know, Georgia, the uh, Democrat uh, mm -hmm. who won the primary is gonna be running for governor. Yeah. Yeah um apparently I guess Nevada is a, is in danger of doing the same thing. I mean, it's real cool. close right yeah. now. I just saw a poll today, mm -hmm. and I'm to the point where I'm hating polls, but it was 45 to 41, and I was like, okay, that is way too close, but mm -hmm. the Democrat is ahead. Yeah. And, you know, it's there's hope, and there's a lot of energy trying to help move us in that direction. We'll see. Did you hear that uh, Trump had mocked the Me Too movement and Elizabeth Warren? There was some sort of a rally. Yeah. 
and uh, he just uh, it he was just out the Pocahontas thing again. Yeah, oh. yeah. And so he, you know, he's just oh, he's he's a bully. Even stupider. Oh, so it was in the stadium. Yeah, and um, and he was saying this is the biggest. We break. We're breaking records. We're breaking all kinds of records. We're breaking. We're bigger than Elton John. Oh. <laughs> And it, the statement goes on. <laughs> yeah. Like, he breaks it down for you what he's talking about. And the more he breaks it down, the more you're like, the crowd has to be sitting there going, huh? Right. What? What? What has that got to do with anything? Yeah. And he, he mocked George Herbert Walker Bush. Did you hear about this? No. Um, Here, I'm going to play it because I've actually queued oh. it up. You know, just he, he mocks everything and everyone. It's, yeah. it's it's really astounding. I mean, it's I, you know someone needs to do a psychological evaluation of you know of just how he is and and the people because there are like tons of people around him who are defending soaking him, it right. in. Yeah, yeah. That that well, I find surprising. And they and they probably defend them because they don't want to be the next target, right? Because that's how kids are around a bully. A bully, like yeah. a bully's there. It's like, well, I don't want well, him to pick you on know me. What? That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very uh, developmental. It's it's like how many people stand up to bullies on the playground, right? So yeah. if no one ever stands up because they don't want to get bullied, they're mm-hmm. just going to stay back because as long as I'm not the target, I'm not going to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That that's an excellent point. So yeah, so that 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 alone has just been um, very interesting. Now my week, uh, so there's a group called the Playwright Center of San Francisco. Right. Yes. And so they're doing a, a showcase. I I agree. It's one of those things I agreed to do, uh-huh. and I, and then I looked at the schedules like, oh, so that's going to be happening on each cons- each Saturday, Saturday the fifteenth, the twenty uh-huh. second, and the 29th. Okay. And that's going to be real cool. That so there's there's ba- basically a group of playwrights mm-hmm. who write plays and. They sort of showcase them. It's going to be at the. Are they still at Fort Mason or no? This is going to be at the Shelton Theater. Oh, oh right, nice. no, they, I think they are at the Shelton now. Right, which is at. Uh, we'll we'll have a blurb about it. Yeah. But basically, that's what's that's been going on. So I'll be do, in rehearsals uh, all of next week, just getting a script. We had I had such a great time Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, we were on um, Van Ness. It's where Forty Second Street Moon. They do their uh, yeah. rehearsals and okay. stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, just a bunch of um, playwrights and actors, just you know, feeding and collaborating and all that sort of stuff. So, huh. so is it a stage reading format? It's a stage reading format. There'll be some direction, you know, mm-hmm. very minimal direction right. Right. that we'll get, and then we, you know, that we're just on stage with the script and just you know, mm-hmm. hoshing it out. But uh, it's a fantastic gift for for, the, for those who are budding playwrights. That would be a great organization to get into, and we'll put mm-hmm. a link into it. Yeah. Definitely. And also, um, actors. Right. Uh, of whatever, you know, Well, it's a quality. quick commitment, so it's yeah. right. you can get in and get out. Right, exactly. So so that's sort of been uh, occupying me and getting my mind out of, you know, the news last week, especially the kids. I mean, it was so – we talked about it beforehand mm-hmm. where the, there's some news where you can read, and you're like, okay, that's great. But then there's something that just sticks to you. Right, right. It just just affects you so much. And I know, Danny, you work with kids, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah oh. so I'm sure they hit you uh, very Yeah, well. what do you yeah. do? Uh, so um, I've been in early childhood education. I've been a teacher for 19 years. Oh. Uh, my master's is in early childhood development. And mm-hmm. so that's why I look at everything from the developmental point and mm-hmm. how is this impacting them on their brain development. Mm-hmm. Right. 
how are these memories going to last with them right. into their n- next few years and dealing with it and the stress of it and, mm-hmm. and not being able to, if there's language barriers, who are they communicating with mm-hmm. if they don't have somebody in their family or someone that has the exact same language as them? Yeah. Right. Right. That's the biggest hurdle. And it's just, you know, they'll just have to learn to follow. Oh, they're taking a plate to eat food. I better take a plate to eat food because they they can't do they have no other skill. Right. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And so hearing about what's happening down there, I mean, you know, this week Trump had asked the courts to extend their time to to, you know, connect the parents to the kids. Right. Because they don't want to violate, you know, this thing. Well, they've already violated it anyway. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then there's this tariff things. There are now U.S. boats racing to China to sell their goods before the tariffs before take effect, which is funny. another, uh, uh, you know, element of what's happening in the Trump Should administration, affecting every everyone, everybody. everything, and everybody. Yeah. Right. Enough of that. Let's get into an origin story. So, Danny Martin, uh, a veteran actor and uh, educator. Yes. Um, so, you're born and raised here. Uh, yep, born and raised, have lived on the peninsula all my life. Ah. Uh, Where? Uh, so I'm in Millbrae, uh, grew up in oh, San Bruno. Gosh. Almost nobody in Millbrae. <laughs> Is there? I almost never meet anybody You never meet anyone from Millbrae. Well, I'm I'm from Millbrae. Uh, went to school at Mills High School in mm-hmm. Millbrae, mm-hmm. went to San Francisco State. Uh, so I've never left the Bay, been mm-hmm. here all my life, and finally as an adult, was able to say I want to do what I want to do uh-huh. and become an actor because it was never a part of who I was growing yeah. up. Oh, you yeah, were I just doing it when you were growing up? No, I just never had the opportunity. Wow. Did you have siblings, Danny? Yeah, two. Oh, okay. So I'm the middle. They're both very athletic. Mm-hmm. I was not. Uh, but uh, Which is shocking for those who can't see or podcast-wise. Right. You know, I think you're maybe six feet two or whatever and um, – could easily be a linebacker. Yeah, you look like you're in great shape. <laughs> well, part of me regrets not having pursued it, but I was always happy to be on the team. Uh-huh. And I think that that's how I connected to theater is that when you're in a show, you're part of a team. Right. Yeah. And when I teach kids theater, I tell them we're part of a team and we all have to work together. Mm-hmm. No matter if you're the, the tree in the background or the person that has all the lines, right. we're a team and we can't work without each other. Right. Yeah. So how how did the bug bite you? I mean, you know, um, if you didn't do it as as a child. Uh, so finally had an opportunity to do it in high school. So did a couple things. Mm. Then went to college and was basically told, don't be an acting major. Right. <laughs> so was a liberal studies major. And hey, me too. Yeah. At State. San Francisco I, I State. Have, I, I, my degree is in liberal studies. San Francisco me too. State. All right. <laughs> Class 99. Um, and then uh, – Soon after, I was a substitute teacher, and I was doing a class that had just gone and seen a show at ACT. Mm -hmm. They came in to talk to the kids about it, and I went up and said, how do you go to ACT? And she told me, oh, we're doing a summer training congress, and I applied and got in, and that was when I was 23. So my first community theater show, I was 26, so I've been doing it for 15 years. Wow, that's fantastic. First show was Working. By oh, Studs 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 I've, been ta- I've been talking about that. That's one of my favorite musicals. Mm. That was the musical that I did when I was in uh, high school. I did the song Un Mejor Dia Vendra. Oh, okay. The Migrant yeah. Worker. Yeah, the oh. Migrant Worker. Yeah. Fantastic show. Fantastic ensemble show. Yeah. Uh, did you do the Mason song? No. I, 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 
Well, actually, the first time I did it, I did or, it. Or Father to Son. It's ACT. Yeah. I was the image of the son in the Fathers and Sons song. Oh. Ah. Uh-huh. It's a great song. As a matter of fact, I know that you like to sing. Yeah. That would be a great song for you. It's well within your range. I'm okay. talking to Norman, by yeah. the way. Yeah. No, no. It's a great. It's a great. Because I know you're looking for material. I, yeah. 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 And it's it hits at the end of the show, and it's just so uh, poignant between yeah. who you are as an adult. Got a lot of songs saying, where are you going, my son? Yeah. Hmm? Where it's taking you. And okay. I, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I, I, it's a great piece. I was your good. hero then. I couldn't do no wrong as far as you were concerned. Yeah. I'm, it's I'm, a wonderful song. I'm going to the library as soon as we finish. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good piece. Yeah. Good piece. I, no, I, I remember it. I have wonderful memories. So that was your first show. That was my first show. Right on. At uh, Hillbarn Theater. Yay, Yay. Hillbarn. Yay, Hillbarn, Foster City. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And um, so, you, uh, so and you found steady work since then? Yeah, typically I'll do three to four shows a year. Um, right on. I audition all throughout the Bay Area. I try to not stick to one place and get typecast, but to spread myself around so that I can grow mm-hmm. and not always be the same type of character. Hmm. Sure. And we've talked about typecasting. In fact, I think the last podcast we talked about typecasting mm-hmm. now. Some folks are within that, that same rut or whatever. Have you thought about doing other things like, let's say, film? Or so a long time ago, I did some film acting classes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard. Film acting it's is very hard. Mostly, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's totally bring everything in. Right. Small, small, small. Yes. Yeah. Uh, just recently started taking voiceover classes mm. and in San Francisco, which I'm really into. Um, I think that uh, could be working out for me. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that would be fantastic. And there's so many other actors. I mean, there's so many venues that are coming out in groups, right? Organizations here within the Bay Area mm-hmm. that are looking for actors for film and, mm-hmm. and other things, even television commercials, that sort right. of stuff. Like, do you have do you do you find those sort of job film jobs, like via I on don't, the internet? I don't or really look. Okay. So you know, I'm I'm for that kind of thing. Somebody throws my name at somebody, and yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> If I can do it, sure. In fact, I just saw an email that I missed from maybe a month and a half ago from somebody. And I was like, Mm -hmm. that sounded like a great project. And it was so funny because the way they put it out there, the money thing always Mm -hmm. becomes an issue. And I'm like, for that sort of thing, the commitment, time commitment is so small. I don't care about the money. Um, But it was um, very specifically, we're trying to get something going. Mm -hmm. So we're part of the agreement is we're going to set you up so that if money starts coming in. And I was like. You know what? Fine, whatever. Yeah. If, if you get to the point where things are actually doing that well, I'll be happy to be connected. Mm-hmm. But, right. You know, it just sounds like a fun project. Let, let me try it. Yeah. You know, it's <clears throat> funny because I've been involved in a couple of, like, there were, what do they call them, industrials? Mm-hmm. I guess industrials. And so I've done a couple of those, and I've co- done a couple of projects for, like, San Francisco State. And I say to myself, my image is somewhere in the universe mm-hmm. <laughs> several mm-hmm. times, and I haven't even seen myself. Even going back to when I was, I don't know, 18, 19 years old, who knows, you know, mm-hmm, right. I have no idea who's seeing me right now. But uh, that that's interesting. And um, so that's, well, you know, there's a new there's a new weird thing. And this is mm-hmm. in the theater world. So um, an actress I know barely, but somehow we got connected. So we're Facebook friends. She's always posting stuff. She apparently did a parody hmm. of The Little Mermaid. Really? Just one song. And she videotaped it and she put it out online and. Mm-hmm. Ta-da. Somebody else covered it. And and she acknowledged in her, this is a parody written by this other actress. Right. It's gotten over three million, like three and a half million wow. hits. Wow. 
And <coughs> she's just kind of going, what am I supposed to do about this? And it's like, well, you don't own the song. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, she's acknowledging you, and she didn't sell it. Right. But she wrote the parody, so it she re- wrote She but how much – and this is Disney we're talking about. Oh. You better not try to go to court with this. No. Yeah. Disney will be all over you. But she's just a little flummoxed. And yeah. the best advice she seems to be getting right now is do not go the law route. Go ahead and start using this. Just think of this as your resume because mm-hmm. your name's on it. You yeah. pull it up on YouTube mm-hmm. and yeah. it says it's connected this is to a parody her. of so-and-so's song. This is a parody written by so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And so it's like – and that's the best you're going to get out of it. If people want to see yours, see the original, they can go see it. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, if this woman's getting attention, you may as well – Connect it to it as much as you can because if somebody is mm-hmm. throwing some money at her, anybody smart is going to go, well, wait a minute. Who wrote Who this? Who wrote this? Yeah. yeah. Who did this originally belong to? Yeah. Well, that, that is fantastic. Well, she needs to because I'm sure if it's getting three million views and whoever put it out there probably has some ad money coming at in. At this mm-hmm. point, She yeah. deserves a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. But how can she get, you know? Yeah. It, it'll be tough, but it's a good problem to have. <laughs> well, that's – I can see where it's messing with her ego. Sure. Um, and, yeah, just in terms of the practical thing of how do you manage your career, it's like, well, you just be happy about the fact that people are giving attention to something that's connected right. to you. Right. But you wish that they could go back to hers right. and watch hers. Right. And she had the three million views. Right. right. Rather than this other person who right. copied it. Right. Who really didn't do anything but snatch her video and put it up on his – you know, yeah. thing. Right. Speaking well, no, uh, you know, redid it. Yeah. So oh, he re- he did redo it. It's a, no, it's a woman who yeah. has redone. She's, she's right. So she re sang it. She did the work. She sang it and she wrote the uh, the. The whatever. original actress wrote yeah. it and put it put it up as a video. Right. This person has recreated that whole thing with herself performing it. Right. Mm. And that's what's getting all the attention. Right. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And yeah. So. Yeah. But as far as managing your career like danny do you think about do you think about the future do you what do you want to do uh the future yeah this this past year i thought you know i'd give up on theater because hmm. i kind of got into the rut of oh well you know it's it, how's it helping me in my life what's it doing right. for me and then all of a sudden you do a show that's so amazing and you're like i do it because the audience and what uh, telling these people's stories and right. making a difference and uh, one of my favorite shows I ever did was uh, James and the Giant Peach mm. with DMT, mm-hmm. and we did it during the week, and school kids came in, and the best part was this was these kids' first chance to see live theater. Right. Oh. And they might not see it for another five <coughs> or ten years, mm-hmm. but maybe we're making an impact on some kid that goes, hey, I can be like that. Right. Yeah. So that's that's the positive of theater for me is that somebody can see – someone like them on stage and say, I can do that too. Mm-hmm. Even though it's community mm-hmm. theater, I'm not making tons of money. Hopefully I'm making a difference in somebody's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was there anything that's pushed you when you say you were going to drop out of theater, which would be a shame because you're a good, you're a great presence on stage. I enjoyed working you. with you. Um, um, but was there anything pushing you away? I, I personal life, family, family issues, mm-hmm. uh, emotional tolls on myself Mm -hmm. and thinking hey can i be somewhere else can all this time i'm putting into theater be Mm -hmm. utilized somewhere else Mm -hmm. but then came back to the realization that no this is what i need to do right this feeds my soul right yeah you know norman you and i've talked about this especially like i asked i've asked you like regarding mara your wife right does she have an issue well it's not so much an issue with you because she's an artist as well right 
She's a musician. Yeah. Okay. But and we've been married for a couple of years. So, and it was <coughs> a huge thing getting together was thinking because, you know, my life, and I've joked about it so many times with people, there's theater and there's sex. Mm-hmm. Don't make me choose. <laughs> Don't make me choose. If yeah. you try to pull me in one direction that's going to keep me from getting the other one, we're going to have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and that meant with all relationships, they really were on a back burner. And when I got to this point, I was like, um, so I know how to manage my life. And I've had a lot of relationships. I can make a commitment. I really can. And so, you know, we just sort of checked in with each other. And it wasn't about, it really was. She was going to run her career the way she's been running it. And I was going to run the, my career the way I've been running it. And we thought, but we have space to be together to, within that. To create time Which, for each other. And that was new for me. That right. was a new way of thinking. Before that, it was always a choose a choice right. of one of the Well, because unless you're in it, people don't get it. Yeah. They don't get like, oh, I have rehearsal five nights a week. Oh, people, right. and then I'm busy four weekends in right. a row. And then I'm looking for the next thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's so much of a time commitment when we're all working right. full-time jobs outside of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you Norman, you know that I had my girlfriend Melody when right. we did uh, the Richard Wright uh, piece of yeah. Before the Dream, and it was hard to get her to understand why I'm taking so much time off, mm-hmm. even when I was at home. Me and Castillo, Mark Castillo, he came over to do some line readings because right. we wanted to get off book and have a connection. Mm-hmm. And she couldn't quite understand. She's like, "Are you making any money?" And I don't understand what's right. going on. And I'm like. Well, no, this is what I want to do and what I like to do. It's a very tough thing mm-hmm. on, on relationships. You had talked about you had re- you were about to take a job which would take you out of town, and you were thinking about having to spend a hotel bedroom alone. <laughs> which before I always assumed that the opportunity to go <clears throat> do that would be so exciting. I'd be so happy about it. Yeah. And now I'm like, I still want to do it. Like I would love to hit um, Idaho Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. I would love to go out to some places like that to get to do some shows. That would be great. But – when you're single, it also means when you've got some free time, you're going to hit the town. You're right. going to go out and enjoy it. Right. Now it's like, well, maybe I'll go out with the rest of the cast. But really, at the end of the night, I want to be home in bed reading. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, someplace exactly. singing. It's mm-hmm. a different mindset. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's not – and yeah, and like literally now it feels weird. I went down to visit family a couple of weeks ago, and those two or three nights in bed alone, I'm like, hmm. I, I remember this. I, I used to do this all the time, um, but now I don't. I, I almost never do yeah. this now, and it feels a little different. It's it's tough for uh, someone who has a, who has a, a family, and even getting them to understand. Like Danny, when uh, has your family been receptive? You doing theater? Uh, it took them a while, I think, to get there. Mm-hmm. But once once they started seeing me and how much joy and happiness it gave me yeah i think that that's when they supported it more and mm-hmm. my parents come and see all my shows awesome. uh my brother and sister will come to some shows mm-hmm. um but yeah i i definitely i had to earn right i had to earn it yeah no i totally understand no my folks their memory now is that they've always supported me and i'm like well there was that moment when i wanted to go to college and same message right. you got yeah yeah, you're, don't be an acting major. You're not doing that. <laughs> yeah, if we're paying for it, you're not doing that. right. Yeah, and that's why once I was done, I said, now I can do what I want. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, I got the degree. Now I can pursue my my goals. Yeah, but they are legitimately like they fly up here to come see my shows, and I'm like, that makes me feel so great. Right. You know, it's like because I did it without them for the longest. Mm-hmm. I did it for years where it was just me doing it. And yeah. Hope you can make it. They saw a few, but now they're much more likely to come up 
about once a year to see something. And I'm like, that's yes. awesome. Yay. And I'll, I'll be experiencing that in October. You know, when I talk to my folks, I talk to my dad. I was like, hey, are you coming? It's like, not only am I coming, all my, your aunt's coming, aunt's cousin's coming, and the whole family. I was like, wow. I didn't understand. Did, now, that's fantastic. Did you see the message the other day? Somebody was like, why don't you get I said, I'm, I, yes. I put out, I'm looking for a Richard Wright, and I'm looking for a James Baldwin. And somebody said, why don't you have Reg play Richard Wright? I said, hey, I, I would love that. I, if know. push comes to shove, I mean – a writer and an actor doing my own thing. I don't want it to be a vanity piece, but we'll see. We'll, it, we'll see it, what happens. It wouldn't be. If there's, if there's somebody better, absolutely. But I sometimes it's meant to be. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a hard okay. no. We'll see. Okay. Both of you work with kids yeah. using theater to enrich kids' lives, and I think it's mm-hmm. such a wonderful thing. Like, you, you've always done each one reach one. Yeah. You're not doing it now, but. Right. Well, it's changing, apparently. That organization is about to go through major changes. Have you heard so. about each one reach I one, have Danny? Not. It's um, we do playwriting in juvenile hall. We do it in other places, but mostly in juvenile hall, San Mateo and San Francisco. Okay, and uh, and yeah, the organization is about to. The executive director, the founder, is about to retire, and the organization is about to be taken over by another organization. I'm just not sure what's going to happen, so it's kind of up in the air. But I've been doing that for geez, over a decade. Yeah, and I think it's a fantastic thing. I mean, these are kids who are, are arrested. You know, they're in the criminal justice system, but they're kids using theater to sort of open their horizons well, and right. to It's to like the detention them. thing. Mm-hmm. They just are kind of warehoused. <clears throat> right. And then we come in and say, hey, who are you? And no, we want first names. We don't want your last name. Everybody here in this institution calls you by your last name. We want your first name. And what's your story? What story do you want to tell? You don't even have to claim it as your story. What story do you want to tell? And to get those stories has been fantastic. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that, that's that's great work because you're giving those kids an outlet that they were probably never exposed to. Yeah. And you're saying, look, there's something else you can do. And on the last day, we bring in a group of actors mm-hmm. and we do yeah. a stage reading. Uh, of their work. Of, they, of their, they work. their work. Yeah. yeah. And it's giving them value. And saying, look, what you have to say is important. So uh, it's literally what we say at the end of the program at some point. And it's why we come in and it's why we do it. What you have to say matters. What you have to say is important. And inevitably, if not every session, at least every other session, one or two kids will come up at the end and say, you know, I just thought thought this was going to suck. And I'm really happy that my mentor made me stick with it. And, (laughs) you know, I've. Feel good about it. <laughs> That's awesome. But you do the same thing, Danny. I mean, it's not a juvenile, you know, system. But right. you deal with kids, and I'm sure you deal with wayward kids at, at, at times. Yeah. So I've, you know, my primary work has always been with um, early childhood. But the last mm-hmm. couple of years, I've worked with, in theater camps, and part of when, as a director and casting, make it make the show reflective of the community and make it colorful and creative and not typecast or not Mm -hmm. say, oh, this role has to be played this way. But give kids opportunities that they might not have Mm -hmm. and teach them that that team spirit that I talked about earlier is that we're all together Mm -hmm. and we all have to and we all matter and that we're all important. And even if you're in the back row, you're just as important as the person in the front row. We need you. We need you because it wouldn't be the same show without one piece of this puzzle. Mm hmm. Are they receptive? Do you sometimes get a little blowback or let's say, I mean, there are always kids who don't know, uh, know the ins and outs of theater, right. but, you know, some who are like, you know, th- we talk, Norman, about how people's personal issues can sometimes get in the way of theater. Mm-hmm. Like, um, 
over emoting, and that's what well, I'm people, sure yeah, that happens. They, they, with people kids. want to make it therapy, sure. right? But it's different with kids. Uh, well, actually, it's the same. Um, in theater, I really don't care about your personal stuff. That's not my problem. What my problem is, is can you sing what I need you to sing? Can you work in that scene the way I need you to work? Mm-hmm. If you need to pull it back or give me more, right. can you do that? And if you can't, can we adjust right. so that you can shine as well as you need to so the show works? And it's the same thing with kids. They come in with all kinds of problems. You clock that they have problems. I had I just finished an um, intensive with a bunch of high school kids. At the Eugene O'Neill? At the Eugene O'Neill house, yeah. Yeah. And we had two or three kids who were kind of spectrum-y. And one kid kid came in and announced that he was on the autistic spectrum, and that's that's what he is, which was great. And that he owned it. And his play was one of the deepest, I mean, most nuanced plays of the group. We had eight writers, and he was one of the eight who turned out this amazing play. It's like, oh, my God. So they got to see that. One of the girls was just, it read as shy, but she had all kinds of weird little ticks mm-hmm, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and we made her the mother in a scene. And what I loved about it was, we all have attitudes about our mothers. We all think we have this iconic <clears throat> image of what a mother is. In this play, the mother was only so useful to the main character. Mm-hmm. Having that mother, who's a little bit checked out, was perfect. Right. And that way, this kid didn't have to be anything other than what she is. And she felt great. And got to be a part of it. She was a part of it. She got to have a great time. And the other actors who really wanted to, this is my show, had to rec- I kept saying, so this is the mom you've got. React to the mom that you've got because we need to see that. And where you can help her as an actor, so you can give her some status, you can make her look better, or you can give her more power by being that child who respects that mom, then it's okay if she's a little checked out, a little out to lunch. We will read all that right. as just incredible acting, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so I hope that was the lesson they got out of it. It was it was great. Those right, it was great that those kids got to be part of the mix. Well, and as an actor, you don't know what the other person's going to give you. Yeah. You might plan that they're giving you something that you want, but mm-hmm. you got to work with what you're getting. Mm-hmm. And so that that was a good lesson for them. It's like this is who's playing the mom. Work with what she's giving you, yeah. not with what you want her to give you. Yeah. Do you write your own curriculum, or is it sort of mandated? No. So, well, in in early childhood, there's not a lot of. There's so many different theories on curriculum. Right. Uh, mine was always uh, very theme based, but also based on what the kids were talking about in class. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if if they wanted to explore something about insects, we'd get all this stuff information about an insect, and here this mm-hmm. is what it is. But mm-hmm. You, you just don't know. With kids who are four and five years old, it right. just oh, is I all over the place. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, oh, there's a bug. Okay, yeah. let's talk about bugs. Right. But, but you said that you, I guess, lately you're dealing with older kids. Yeah. When when I do teach theater, it's middle schoolers. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do they? Um, how do you deal with kids? Um, like, uh, what what has the response have been? I'm sure it's been positive, but do you sometimes get negative responses, or let's say one kid isn't getting it, or is gives you a hard time? Uh. I, I guess that I just kind of look at who they are as a person sure, and kind of adapt to what their needs are. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's based on having been in the field for such a long time. Right. It's like you kind of recognize that like this kid is going to need more wiggle time because this is who they are. This right. is what they're used to. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, of course, there's kids that are going to be divas and, oh, I should have had that part. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think that it's important when you're teaching kids theater is to let them in on the audition process sure, so that sure. they can see why that person's getting that part, mm-hmm. not just that your mom says that you should have the part. <laughs> right, right. Ooh, yeah. yeah. How how has how has the Bay Area treated you as an actor? Are you getting the work that you want? Are you frustrated? Or um, you told me that you worked. I think you did a job in Orinda. Correct. Is that right? yeah. 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 Are you finding that you have to go out, or um, you know, what is what is the state of Bay Area theater for you as an actor? For me, uh, I would say I haven't really gotten the opportunities to grow out of what I've been playing for fifteen years. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I. You have a certain look, and right. like I, I play the dumb pretty boy a lot, and mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like, but have I can done, do have more. You done Fifth of July? No. If I were gonna cast you, I would totally cast you in Fifth of July. Okay. No, I haven't done that one. I saw it years ago up in Ashland, mm. but um, yeah. So the show Is I did in Arinda. Simon? No, it's um, Lamford Wilson. Lamford yes. Wilson. Okay. Yes. Oh my gosh! And it's part of the trilogy. It's a gorgeous trilogy. Um, but that was. That was the second play in the trilogy. What were the other two? The other one is um, uh, there's um, oh jeez, uh, Tally's Folly. Okay. And then I think the other one is Tally and Son. Okay. I think it is. Um, and so and that's the last one. And it was weird because Tally's Folly is just two characters, a little Jewish guy from New York who's come down to visit the family home, the mm-hmm, same home mm-hmm. we see in Fifth of July. Oh, okay, okay. Um, it's. After the war or during the war? No, it's after the war. It's after World War II. Um, and he's come because he's fallen in love with Sally Talley. <laughs> and they wooed, they, you know, meeting of the right. minds. They loved each other. And then she broke it off. And he doesn't know why. So he has flown down here. And it's structurally, it's one of the most brilliant plays. Because he comes on stage. He's waiting for her at the boathouse. Mm-hmm. He's waiting for her. And he's talking to us. He's just nervously sort of chattering. The show is intended that if there are latecomers, they are held at the door till a certain point where they let them in. And he says, oh, oh, come on in, come on in, come on in, sit down, come on, sit Okay, so let's see, what was I talking about? I said this and I said that. It's a beautiful <laughs> moment. It's a beautiful moment of theater. Um, but, yeah, they <clears> finally <throat> discover that she was part of a southern family, a, a capitalist, uh-huh. high, you know, a dynasty. Uh-huh. And she and the other big dynasty in town they were supposed to marry and she got scarlet fever or whatever she got something where she came out of it okay but she was now sterile and so she's always been considered damaged goods right um and she thought that somehow he knew that and that's why she broke off the relationship wow and because everybody wants kids right and so at one point he rolls up his sleeve and you see the numbers on his wrist and you're like oh Oh no, you're not just Jewish. You're you're that kind of Jewish. Yeah. And so once she realizes, you know, happy ending, wonderful, beautiful show, and then you jump to the seventies, is it seventies or eighties? Tally. um, Oh wow. Tally's uh, Fifth of July. Mm -hmm. um, This beautiful, beautiful, bizarre play where the that generation of family. It's a brother and sister and all their hangers on, um, and Sally, who is now an old lady. And then the third one, you go back to that same night when the guy came to get Sally and what's going on at the house. Wow. While she sneaks away from a party. Right. And she says that in the first play. Yeah. She sneaks away from a party. And so you go and you see you what's see going on in the house. Yeah. It's like the party it reveal. It's horrible. The best moment in that play I love. 
is um, there are black servants. Right? Okay. And the old, um, the patriarch is old man, like in a wheelchair kind of thing. And act two starts with him asleep in the chair. And the maid comes in and realizes he's asleep. And she comes over and kind of checks and tests and he doesn't respond. So she gets down and gets in his face and like, you know, just makes a face at him or something. And he smacks the shit out of her. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Knocks her, knocks her to the floor. And she can't say anything about it. And he doesn't say anything about it. It's like one of those silent moments of. It's just brilliant theater. And I was like, wow. So we know as much as you need to know about this family. <clears throat> if you didn't already know it in that moment. It's like, right. yeah, if you ever had any sympathy for some of this, <laughs> just let that go. <laughs> wow. Lanford Wilson. Amazing player. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, you got to see more of that. Um, but getting back to, um, well, what, what are some of the stuff that you want to do? Like you've Ooh. talked about, yeah. Oh, what do I want to do? Um, like, is there a role or a play that you've always wanted to be in? You know, uh, we, you know, there's, I really just like telling stories that are really real. Like I, I did angels in America and played Joe Ooh. Pitt wow. and mm-hmm. it was, it was one of the most like. This is real. This is right. this is did, showing did somebody so to, tortured. Yeah, did, was it at the town hall theater? Because I know they. No, did. this was at uh, Foothill College a couple oh, couple okay. years ago, yeah. and we did we did the first part um, mm-hmm. fully staged, and then we did a stage reading of part two mm-hmm. um, as a companion piece. But mm-hmm. it was just uh, like powerful. Mm-hmm. Just it, it it challenged me so much, and I felt like this is a, a story that can change somebody's mind about something mm-hmm. yeah yeah Th- i mean that's that's the kind of things that i'd like to do more of are mm-hmm. those opportunities always right. available no so you mm-hmm. go and you do an agatha christie and or you you do, right. you do a musical and mm-hmm. you hope that uh that is changing somebody's perspective or creates a conversation for somebody that came to see it in their car on the ride home about mm-hmm. oh i never thought about that that way right. but those opportunities are kind of few and well, far are between. Are you growing? Are you find that you? Do you find that you're growing into roles that maybe you wouldn't have considered ten years ago? But now you're like, oh wait a minute, now uh, I'm getting there. Mm-hmm. I I think it's uh it, it de- definitely depends on directors. Some see me very young. Some right. see me as my age. Some see me um will only cast me as a romantic hero. Mm-hmm. Like when we did 110, I was so happy because I got to be the angry older brother. And like, yeah. like this is this is the real world, Lizzie, when we were doing that show. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't have a lot of interaction on stage. Yeah. Well, we did have some. It's, it's more, it's not, it wasn't the quantity, but the quality. I mean, right. there were times where we were very confrontational. Right. And it felt good. The energy was really there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because, uh, you know, ba- and it was all based on love. And like, you know, you're, you weren't just – evil or no, bad. Right. But it's it was because out I of love. Her. love. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, it's it's a gorgeous story that way. You feel like the family wants the best for her as right. they understand it. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So and that no, I totally understand. It is one of the it's 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 one of the reasons why I sort of gotten into writing. You know, I talked on the last podcast, you know, if you can't be a part of a company that that you know um, that sees you the way you want to, or you <clears> can't get the role. Sometimes you have to sort of create or make something happen, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know there are all sorts of actors who are doing that. Um, oh yeah. You know, or finding venues or what have you. Have you thought about equity at all? Uh, in my early twenties, I thought <gasps> I, that I might want to do equity, but then you you know you hit forties and you're like, well, you're not in your forties. Yeah, forty one. You, wow. Yeah. Did you, could you, did you think that? 
No, I would not have gone forty-one. Yeah. I mean, I do see some grays on the side, but right. no, no, you, you know, you um, take care of yourself. Well, and that's why I keep playing these young roles. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. But at this point in the Bay Area, it, I don't think it would be worth it for me to be equity because right. the opportunities aren't to, there. Right. And unless right. I was planning on moving to New York or down right. to LA to make a, <clears throat> a another career change, mm-hmm. then I would consider it. But at this point, like. My work in, in child development and my advocacy there is really my passion, and mm-hmm. my passion on the stage is a different part of who I am, But and I don't need to make the money at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally hear you. The, uh, someone had posted a uh, video of Fred – well, I guess there's a documentary on Fred Rogers. Yes. And, yes. Um, yeah, it's in I, the theaters I, right now. Yeah, exactly, and I guess that's the reason why people have been posting, and I had always thought about Mr. Rogers and – you know, it wasn't just a television show. It really was a passion that he had. Right. I had no idea his, you know, he's his, a, the I depth of his uh, Christian beliefs. He, right. He mm-hmm. was serious about living mm-hmm. his values. Right. Yeah. Like, be a good person to everybody. Right. And treat everyone like a person. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and don't, and stand up for injustice. Mm-hmm. I mean, honest, honestly, since you brought it up, I would love to do that type of show. Yeah. Where right. I'm, like, in front of kids showing them, like, you just have to be a good person mm-hmm. and be kind to everybody, mm-hmm. and that's going to make you happy. Right. Yeah. Like, don't be a bully. Yeah, especially in very – you know, we're, we're very – as the internet, we've become very cynical about yeah. all sorts of things. Oh, and yeah. there's a lack of, I would call, purity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it starts with a child. You know, mm-hmm. the minute a child, a child is born very pure and also carnal. But, you know, you have to treat your child how right. to be civilized. But a child can very quickly get cynical and, you know, learn all the bad habits or whatever. Right. And uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've often heard that artists say, I need to be a child again, to learn to play again and right. learn to be as pure as a child. Well, and to be open yeah. to – and it's so funny. I was just talking to somebody who said they were thinking about taking an acting class or maybe an improv class. And I was like, okay, those are two different things. Honestly, my vote would be take the improv class Mm -hmm. because if you are this interested, even just this interested Mm -hmm. in theater, you may as well just go out and audition. Mm -hmm. Whose phone is that? That's me. Sorry. That's okay. We'll we'll edit that out. (laughs) Yeah. There. Done. All right. Sorry. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, there's – that freedom, that freedom yeah. to let things be. The thing about, and I learned that from working with kids, because um, you got to cast the show. So, like Romeo and Juliet, I actually did five years at um, Oakland Tech, mm-hmm. um, no Oakland High School. Okay. And uh, with an English class doing Romeo and Juliet, and I would talk to them about it within the first day or two. I would say, "So, who who are the most important people in Romeo and Juliet?" Everybody says Romeo and Juliet. I said, "Okay." Fair answer. Let me rephrase the question. Who are the most powerful people in Romeo and Juliet? Because if you're going to play those characters, you can't come on stage like, oh, this is your story. It's just about Romeo and Juliet. I'm not really important. You really have to come in like, I have power over you. Mm -hmm. Like, I can change the course of this story if you don't do what I want you to do or you try to do the thing I don't want you to do. I have the power. And I learned that. I learned that in college. I did a show where um, it's uh, called Marathon 33, and it's mm-hmm. about a dance. Um, it's about the, the era when they had the dance contest. Oh, you're right. Right after the Depression. Yeah. Okay. Or in the middle of the Depression, really, coming out of the Depression. Yeah. And uh, there are people who are making their living doing these stupid marathons. And at the end of the piece, 
I come in second. Me and my partner, we come in second. Mm -hmm. Well, second doesn't get you anywhere. Second doesn't mean anything. If you're playing that character, though, and you aren't playing it like I might win, then then the audience never gets that sense right. mm -hmm. of what's going on. You have to be those other characters. They're important. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to right. learn it. And that was always like one of the first lessons for me with that with kids. And I started realizing I don't cast anymore worrying about how to cast those roles. I figure out how who are the kids that need the most attention. What role can I slot them in? Okay, get that set up. Now, where do I need to support them? Who are my strongest ones? Mm -hmm. Filter that in. Mm -hmm. And then what's left is Romeo and Juliet. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You talked about how surrounding principal characters with strong actors yeah. and how it, it sort of strengthens uh, the, the, the play. Mm -hmm. And also getting actors to realize it doesn't matter how small your role is. If, if I have a beat or an objective that's very strong, it'll change the trajectory of your beat or objective really? as an actor because yeah, right. you're getting you're feeding off of what I'm giving you. Right. And if it's a strong choice that I make, even though I'm a you know, I don't have as many lines as somebody else. Right. Right. It will affect someone else's role. Yeah. Your number of lines doesn't matter. Right. Exactly. Depending on where you are in that show, you can change the course of that show. Yeah. Absolutely. And how you deliver those lines. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Before we end. I'm always into technique. Uh, what sort of techniques did you learn? Because you, you went to acting you, you, when you went well, to ACT. ACT. Yeah. yeah, so I took the studio classes at ACT. Um, my technique? Uh, like Meisner or Stanislavski or like did you guys talk about beats and objectives? And we stuff did. Like I, I kind of have mostly worked with like beats and objectives um, and like why are you saying it and how, mm -hmm. and how truthful are you being? Yeah. Or, or mm -hmm. are you trying to hide Good something? Question. It's like, look, right. and just kind of like think of, look at the scene in my perspective mm -hmm. and then change it to the character's perspective and how much of it is the same and how much is it different mm -hmm. and what, what I can use for my own self to make it mm -hmm. as truthful as possible. Yeah. Which Not just go for like high comedy or high drama, but right. truth. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I, so yeah, I kind of, I just go beat to beat, like what's happening why am I saying this? What am I trying to get each line mm -hmm. to try and give it as honest as possible? Yeah. Well, I love that bit about the truthful, too, because if you know your character's not saying something or avoiding saying something right. as the actor, it's helpful for you to know what that something is. Right. And I tell actors that all the time, like, fill that line in or mm -hmm. doesn't that line feel clunky? Right. It's clunky. Why is it clunky? Because your character's avoiding saying right. something. What is the something they wish they could say? Mm -hmm. If you give us that energy and then you come out with this l clunky line, we're going to feel like, wow, there's something There's else something else on. in this. Yeah. And no, that's the intention. That's the playwright's right. intention. Yeah. I, Susan Evans used to always say if you're forgetting a line, then there's something subliminal going on. Right. Mm -hmm. So always, you know, look into, you know, what are, what are your more difficult lines or what, what's, mm -hmm. where's that weak link? And right. Focus on that. Because everything that you should say, you, you should really mean it. Like I've always – we've talked about uh, paraphrasing. Like sometimes right. I'll go into a rehearsal and paraphrase my lines to say it the way that I want to and then go mm -hmm. back to the real mm -hmm. lines mm -hmm. and then, you know, try to find that middle end or, you know, ha find the meeting mm -hmm. within the line. Right. And then I can go back to the text. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, definitely. And I, I've experienced that as well. Yeah. Where you just kind of like, well, this is how I would say it. 
then mm-hmm. you'll get your line mm-hmm. note, and then you have to go back and go, okay, but well, this is what the author wants, so I got to stick with what they want. But right. mm-hmm. some of those lines are are difficult roadblocks. Yeah, what's your most difficult play that you've done? Uh, I would say my most recent one this past February was Dial in for Murder because my line load was ginormous. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so, like you carried the play. Uh, y- we had the best ensemble. We mm-hmm. all worked really well together. There were five of us. Um, we just, it, it, it was it was the show that was magic that re-inspired me in theater. Mm-hmm. When I was like, oh, I think I'm kind of done. And then I did that show and I was like, no, I, I love it. And it's because the five of us were so tight and a huge line load, uh, interesting story. You know, you want a, your wife murdered, um, and you hire someone to do it, and then you have to cover it up and frame her for murdering him. Mm-hmm. Uh, great. It's, it was just like a classic piece of theater, mm-hmm. and I was so excited to get to play Tony in that show mm-hmm. because I got to do something different. Mm-hmm. It wasn't my usual casting. Right. It nice. was like, oh, he's evil. <laughs> um, so when that audience booed me at the end, I loved it every night. Yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, we're we're hitting the hour mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout outs, birthdays, birthdays. It's funny. Uh, the first one that came up on my list is Gwen Loeb, and she's an amazing actress. And she is in the importance of being earnest right now at Livermore. Um, so that was the first one. That's today. Uh, and then I, all everybody's doing these donation things now, so it always gets a little tricky. Uh, Stephanie Hunt is one of the original members of Word for Word. Um, I think she teaches at San Francisco State now. Okay. Um, she's a wonderful actress, too. Good director. Uh, Jessica Wodinski I went to high school with. <laughs> and um, she now runs tech at UCLA. Michael Dorado, we talked about. His birthday's coming up yep, tomorrow. Yep, took mine. I want to make sure we get him into auditions. I really want him. Oh, Tom yeah. Kokinius. Oh, gosh. I am going to post... You know how the memory thing comes mm-hmm, up on Facebook? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A, a beautiful photo of him and a memory of him came up. And I think that's why it's his birthday. So we were in um, Emmett and Ava, this beautiful new play oh, that I was done. you talk about that. Yeah. yeah. That was just as Mara and I were getting to know each other. So that was great. Um, Ronnie Washington, who was just in Scapegoat, who was my lead in Scapegoat, and is a professor at San Francisco State. Wow. Um, Michael Moran, who runs um, Ubuntu Theater. Mm-hmm. Pete Towns, Townley. Um, he, when we first did Scapegoat, he was my cop, and he was so good, you know, talking about being evil. Mm-hmm. He just, it, it's a fun, he got to play, he got to play a real cop, and then in, in, out of uniform, so you got to see that right. side of him. But he also played the comic book villain in okay. the piece. And he just, you know, it was gorgeous. It was gorgeous seeing that. And then Jennifer King, who makes theater. I'm not sure where she is anymore. Hmm. Um, she used to be down in San Jose, and I think she's up in the North Bay. But those are the birthdays I have. So I just have um, Ari and Omario, and uh, I talked about her last week. Uh, yesterday was her birthday, and she used to run Bindlestiff Studios. And she's a professor. She's, uh, I think she teaches theater. Mm-hmm. Um, I think UC birthday. I'm not sure. Um, you mentioned Michael Dorado. His birthday is tomorrow. Also on Wednesday, Shannon Maudlin. Um, she is an actress. Uh, we shared the stage doing um, Civil War Christmas. Um, and uh, she was my rose. She was uh, my wife. Mm-hmm. Well, 
I have no idea whether she had passed the character had passed away or whatever, but you know we had a wonderful moment on stage. She's also an athlete. She uh, plays basketball. So, um, and that's it. Th- those are the folks that I have. Um, <coughs> shows. Well, you've been sort of out of the loop. Do you have any shows? Uh, well, like I mentioned, um, importance of being earnest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they close next weekend, and then uh, and Livermore Shakes is a fantastic organization. They'll be opening um, Winter's Tale shortly after that. So. Uh, there's that, um, and there was another one. I can't even think of what it was now. I, yeah, I really have just sort of been <laughs> off in my own orbit for yeah. a while. Uh, Universal Robots, we've been talking about that. Quantum Dragon, they're oh, doing right. that. Michael Greeley and Luel Senores are in that. Um, that'll be running June. Uh, it started June 29th, and it will run until July the 14th. There's White by Shotgun oh, Players. Oh, Shotgun Players, right. Uh, that uh, it Jet opens Pizarro tomorrow. Yeah. And it ends August the 5th. Jed Presario is in that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I'll give a shout-out to, um, well, also. We uh, Ferocious two, Lotus. Two, Ferocious Lotus, right. Two Mile Hollow yep. by mm-hmm. Fer, uh, Ferocious Lotus. Uh, that opened June the 23rd, and it closes July the 15th. And we'll put a, bl- a blurb for that. Mm-hmm. Also, I'll uh, pimp the PCSF Playoffs. That's the 10-minute play festival. Oh. And uh, that's the Playwright <coughs> Center for San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And I'm in that. I didn't even <laughs> I didn't even realize until last week that I was in it. But uh, they'll be doing basically. They're a group of playwrights. They get together. Mm-hmm. They write a bunch of ten minute plays, mm-hmm. and then they uh, showcase it, and the audience gets to uh, vote who what's what's the best. Right. It's right. very similar to what happened. What's happened at <coughs> the piano fight? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you have you done work at piano fight? I have fight? not done it. Yet. Not yet. Yeah, not not yeah. yet. I've looked at it. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so that's what's going on, and so I'll be doing that. That'll be three Saturdays. That'll be the fifteenth, the twenty-second, and the twenty-ninth of July. And uh, let's see, I thought I had one last thing. We still want to um, uplift. Uh, there's a um, the cause racist. That's a refugee and immigration oh, right, yeah. center for education and legal services. RacistTexas.org. Mm-hmm. That's an organization where you can give money, and they will provide legal aid for the families of those immigrants separated from their children mm-hmm. and also uh, bond. They can uh, bond uh, themselves out so right, they can so be they connected can, right. to their children. RacistTexas.org. Um, I want to pump your uh, thing, uh, your uh, Avenue Q. Avenue Q. Yeah. Avenue Q at Coastal Rep Theater in Half Moon Bay, opening mm-hmm. July 27th through August 26th. I'm playing the, nice. char- the character of Rod. Mm-hmm. All right. Did you have a good time? I did. Oh. Thank you for having me. This was and awesome. There's one other current event that um, yes. I, I find noteworthy. Uh, Steve Ditko um, is an artist, comic book artist, mm-hmm. and he died. He's 90 years old, and he was the original artist on that's Spider-Man. Right. Yes. That's right. And Doctor Strange, I think. And too. he helped create the look for Doctor, Doctor Strange. Strange. I guess he didn't actually create the character, okay. but he created the look that became famous. You know, all right. his he all these little. Um, Mystical mm-hmm. gestures that he yeah. would do, um, very, and then uh, the other universes, dimensions that he would go to—that mm-hmm. was all very Ditko. Um, what's strange is he became—he became a bit of a libertarian, like wing nut. <laughs> oh, interesting! And he started creating comic book characters based on it. So, a character people don't necessarily connect to him is um, from Watchmen. The character Rorschach okay. um, was based on a character called Mister A, and he created that character. Um, a really freaky, and he was all about his politics. So he was a hero <laughs> who basically took his politics to the street. Wow. Yeah, you know, it, when I think about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, 
the more, the less, the uh, how's this? Say, the least one-dimensional character is Doctor Strange. Yeah. It's one of those, uh, and it's one of the cool things about the Marvel Universe. You know, if you don't like Star, Star Spider-Man, then right. you'll like Captain America. If right. you don't like that, then you like Black Panther. Right. Or you know someone else. And Doctor Strange, he's one of those characters that I really, really like because he gets into the metaphysical and the surreal and right. all that mm-hmm. stuff. So that's really cool. Okay, well, I'm not, uh, you got an audition to go to. You got to get to the DMT. Yes. So we'll close this up. Thank you. Um, you can find the yay. Also, uh, for those who want to audition for Foreman in Paris, that will be next week. That will be uh, on the 15th and the 22nd of July. And uh, we'll, post, um, we'll post a blurb for that as well. We're still looking for actors, so yeah. um, uh, come on board. In any case, you can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads. You can also find the Yay on iTunes. Just click on iTunes, click on Store, use the search engine on the upper right-hand side, and you can find us, you, uh, the Yay. For Android users, download the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com and search for the Yay. The, gray, the Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise and you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, mm-hmm. Instagram. Dating, do you have a uh, Instagram or Twitter account? I don't have either of those. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> and you will find us. I'm at, uh, you can find me, Reg Space Clay, uh, Hoosier Hooser yep. for Norman. And uh, that's it. And we got to find, well, we a, gotta find a, a better, better sign-off. Off. <laughs> and that's it. We are out.